Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. My name is Jim Eaton, and I'm the youth pastor here at First Covenant, just in case we haven't met. I want to start today by asking you to jump right in and be a little bit vulnerable. Scary, I know. It's okay, because I think you're not going to be alone in this question. So I want to invite you to raise your hand if you have ever been tempted in your life, ever in your life. Have you ever been tempted? Yes. Some of us are like, two hands, let's go, that's me, yep. I am all in on that for sure. We face temptation all the time, whether it's small things or big things, we are tempted. And in this season of Advent, there's some extra temptations, those extra Christmas cookies just sitting on that plate that got to be eaten, right? We can't I mean it's half a cookie. Those calories don't count, right? We are tempted with little things. We're tempted with, uh, with the busyness uh, to hurry and rush and to get things all put together. We're, we're tempted with the, maybe to overspend a little, to make sure that everybody's got what they're gonna, they want for Christmas or, or, and spend a little extra money than maybe our budget really allows. Or maybe we are tempted to, to just get anxious and even angry and grumpy because of all the people and just activity and the schedules fill up and we just, ah, I just want five minutes to myself kind of thing. Or, or maybe we are tempted to forget in the midst of all of that, the reason for the season altogether. Earlier this week, I was at Walmart and uh, it was a, a two days after the power outage and uh, their, system, their, their payment systems weren't quite working all the way. And so the lines in the checkout were very, very long. And I had a few items and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I just have a few items. I want to get through this checkout line pretty quickly. But everybody in front of me has got heaping shopping carts full. I was like, I'm going to be here forever. And then the cash registers weren't working and they kept having to do things. And it was taking way longer than anybody wanted and, and than normally it does. And myself and the others around you could just start to feel the tension and the, the anxiety and the frustration build as we're sitting there waiting, uh, trying to be patient. And uh, as, as I was standing there thinking about it, I was like, <laughs> I'm preaching on temptation this week <laughs> and I'm tempted right now to not handle this well. And so I took a deep breath and I calmed myself and I was like, five more minutes, no big deal. And I was like, when I get up to the cash register, I'm going to be really nice to the checkout person. And they were very grateful for that because most other people weren't. And even, even then when we were walking to the parking lot and I'm walking out, I actually saw two people literally yelling at each other, calling each other horrible names. And they were, I don't know what happened. I didn't see the start of it, but my goodness, I just saw that. And I was like, whoa, 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 what is going on? We are tempted in this season to let things get out of control, right? Well, we face temptation all the time. And today we are talking, or continuing our Advent series called Becoming Human. And today we are, we're talking about the implications of the incarnation. What that means is we are asking the question, what does it mean that Jesus came in the flesh? What does it mean for us? That Jesus, that God came in the flesh. What does that mean for us today? And we're talking about temptation. What does it mean when we face temptation that, that Jesus came in the flesh to walk with us? I know temptation is not a topic that you might think, oh, that's a Christmas sermon. Let's go there. But as I think about it, and as I've studied and done this work this week, um, the, the Lord really made it clear to me, like, this is actually the perfect time to talk about temptation because this is the time of year 
When we remember and we focus and we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, God here with us in the midst of the things that we go through and we face. Now, obviously, temptation is not something that we only deal with in this Advent season. We deal with temptation all year round. We deal with temptations to be selfish and greedy rather than generous, to be arrogant rather than humble, to be, an, an, to be antagonistic rather than to be a peacemaker. So maybe we battle with complaining and grumbling instead of being grateful or joyful. Maybe we are tempted to speak first and listen second instead of the other way around. And the list goes on. It gets deeper. And if we're honest, it gets probably darker. We probably face some pretty big temptations in our lives. But what is temptation? Temptation is simply Satan's attempts to trip up our relationship with God. Satan wants us to go our own way rather than to follow God's way and God's path for our life. And here's what's amazing to me about this, is that Satan thought he could tempt Jesus. Satan actually tried to tempt Jesus, the Son of God, fully, fully God, but then I remember fully human. And, Jesus, and Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him as well. So, of course, we're going to be tempted. If Satan's going to tempt Jesus, he's going to tempt us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. As you turn there, I want you to know that we have Jesus being tempted. We know that he was tempted. He faced it just like we do. And so he knows exactly what it's like to face temptation. He knows the pressure that builds, the tension that grows, and the anguish of trying to resist temptation that seems unresistible or irresistible. The author of Hebrews writes to an audience that is Jewish and they're Israelites and they and Jewish and they live away from Jerusalem. They're not right there in the center of things. They're dispersed away. It's called the diaspora. And so they're living away and they are tempted to apostatize, which is a big word that means turn back or turn away from Jesus and go back, taking Jesus out of the equation and going back to living the Old Testament law. And this is part of their temptation, among other things. And so the, the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate to them to say, don't turn away. This is the way forward. This is the way we need to go. And that's with Jesus. And this is why that's better. And so he, he lets them know in verse 14, when thinking about temptation, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a, great, or we do not have a high priest who is unable to em empathize with our weaknesses. No, we have one who was, has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. We have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses, and yet he did not sin. That's absolutely incredible. Well, what, what temptations 
did Jesus face? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, if you will. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And this is, this, this is the setting of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And this happens right after Jesus' baptism. We just got to witness an experience of baptism right here, which is absolutely incredible. This is the moment Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. The dove comes down. The heavens open and we hear God's voice say, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. What a high moment for Jesus, right? And, and, and everyone around. Jesus knows who he is in this moment. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. To be tempted. This is the purpose of this wilderness experience. And he knows this is what's going to happen. And so verse 2, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, thanks Matthew for telling us that. I would assume that, right? He's pretty hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, if I'm Jesus in that moment, I'm making myself a double-stacked Five Guys burger with a large order of fries. And I don't know if you know about Five Guys fries, but a large order is like a truckload. Jesus, though, responds, doesn't make himself a burger. <laughs> He's, uh, he says instead, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus responds with the truth of Scripture. Then... Verse 5, the devil took him to a holy city, to the holy city, sorry, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So they're way up high, hundreds of feet up. And he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that, you're, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So here's the temptation. Jesus and the devil are hanging out. They're at the highest point in the temple, way up high, hundreds of feet up. And the temptation is for Jesus to jump. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a temptation for me. I'm like, uh, no, and I walk away. Because, yeah. But for Jesus, this prophecy is that the angels would catch him. So the temptation for Jesus here is celebrity. Because the, the temple is a busy place. If this happens, hundreds of people are going to see it happen. And Jesus is going to instantly be trending on every social media platform that existed in the day, from papyrus to tablets. See, there's nothing new under the sun. Tablets existed back then, too. <laughs> but Jesus says this. Jesus replies, and he says, uh, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do that. This is not what God wants. The way forward is to not test God. So strike two. The devil tries again, third time. Again, verse 8 says, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had opportunity to be up here at the church at night. And you can be right over here by the crosses and you can see, if it's a clear night, the city of Salina. You can see all the lights. And during the day, it's gorgeous sunrise and sunsets and things like that. But you can see for miles. You can see past the airport. I mean, you can see a long way. And Jesus is higher up than our little hill here. And he can see all of this splendor, all of this, this, this world. And, he can, and, and Satan is offering it to him, all of it, to be, for him to be king of all of this. That's a lot of power. 
That's a lot of authority. That's a lot of wealth. But Jesus said to him in verse 10, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. See, Jesus was tempted to go his own way, but he didn't. Jesus chose not to follow through on his way and instead to do what God would honor God. Let's look at one more temptation. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. This is right after the Last Supper. And Jesus is with the disciples and he knows what's coming. And he has to face it. And he knows he has to face it. And so he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he takes the disciples with him to pray. Verse 36 of of Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We see that. We see Jesus' emotion. He is sorrowful and troubled and he articulates it. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is facing death and he's sorrowful. He's sad. He's to the point of death. He knows what God is calling him to and he, his flesh, his flight response is screaming to go a different way. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If possible, let there be another way. Let there be another way. He wants another way. But then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me even for an hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prays again. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then a third time he goes and he prays the same thing again. Jesus is tempted to go his own way. But he's laying that before the Lord and saying, if, if there's another way, I'll take it, God. But, but I know your way is better than my way. I know your way is greater than my way. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow through on the mission. So how did Jesus resist temptation? What can we see Jesus doing that helps him resist the temptations of the devil? First, Jesus knew the truth of Scripture and he quoted it back to Satan. He, in, the, in the wilderness, he knew the, the, the truth of Scripture. Each time he responds with Scripture. Secondly, Jesus understood his identity as the Son of God, and he knew the power that, that he had over temptation and what he could do with that. From Matthew 26, we see Jesus having the disciples with him. 
He had friends with him that he could trust to watch. Well, he thought he could trust them to stay awake, but they fell asleep. But he had friends with them to pray and care for him. And, and an angel, we see, also comes to minister to him and strengthen him. So he wasn't alone in that. And both Matthew and Luke record that an angel came and tended to Jesus. And lastly, we know that Jesus prioritizes God's will over his own. When he says, not my will, but yours be done. He knows God's plan is far greater and better than any other option he could come up with. Satan laid out some pretty good other options for Jesus. But Jesus knew that God's will and God's way was better than the way of sin by giving in to those temptations. So what does this mean for us today? Well, the good news of the incarnation is that Jesus successfully resisted temptation and showed us the path through it. And this is where the incarnation is so significant. Emmanuel, God with us. So no matter what temptation you face, God is with you in it. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he's trying to get them to be different, to, to live differently, to let go of their old ways, and to, and to lean into their relationship with, with Christ and with God, and to do what honors and glorifies God, and, and they're struggling with it. And so he writes to them about this regarding temptation. Chapter 10, verse 13, he says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see, he's with us in it. He's faithful to us in the midst of it. And he will show us a way out. This is kind of a deep question I want to leave you with. Or that's not the end, but I want you to think about. Is this. Jesus had to die. That was the way out for him. That was the way through. Sorry, not the way out, the way through. In order to stay in God's will, he had to die. Now, that was to, to, so that he could be resurrected and bring us into eternal life with God. And we are so grateful for that. The question then is, are there things in your life where the way forward, the way through, is to die to those things? Are there things in your life that need to die in order for you to experience new life in Christ? I'm just going to let that one sit there and you can wrestle with that one. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and uh, pick up with verse 16. So we know that Jesus was tempted. We know that Jesus experienced all of the things that we experience when we face temptation. And we know that God is faithful with us in the temptation that we face. He is there with us. He shows us a way out. He guides us. He calls us through it and helps us in it. And because of what Jesus did and successfully overcoming temptation and resisting temptation, we can do this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The author writes, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that 
we may have we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need because of who we are as followers of Christ if you have a relationship with Jesus you can approach God's throne of grace with confidence knowing that that you are not separated from God in any way, but that you can go to him and that you will receive mercy and find grace in your time of need. God cares about it. God is there with you in the midst of it. And this is the incredible Christmas gift to us, is that God is Emmanuel in the midst of your temptation. God is with you in the midst of your temptation. So when you are facing temptation, perhaps a prayer can be, Oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. God be with me. And I rejoice that you are here with me in it. Even though I'm struggling and I'm facing this big, heavy heart thing, you are here with me. And it's a reminder, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. So what can we learn and apply to our lives from, from these experiences that Jesus, of temptation that Jesus went through. There's three things that I want to invite you to remember. Maybe you want to write these down or take notes if you're using the app. And three things that I want to give you as action steps to do's that can help you when you're facing temptation. First, three things to remember. Number one, temptation is not sin. I think a lot of times the enemy tries to convince us that we're not good enough, that we're bad, horrible, whatever, simply because we are tempted. But even Jesus was tempted. The Son of God was tempted. All it means is that we're human, right? Temptation is not sin until it, temptation is acted upon. That's when it becomes sin. So remember that just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've sinned. Number two, you're not the only one. The other, another lie the enemy tries to use is that you shouldn't talk to anyone about your temptation because no one wants to hear that. You're, no one else deals with that. You're the only one who deals with that. No one will understand what you're going through. No, those are lies. We said at the beginning of the service, we all raised our hands. We've all been tempted. So if you need someone to talk to, look to your right or left because that person's been tempted. They know what it's like. And you're probably not the only one tempted with the things you're tempted with. Other people have experienced that as well. So don't feel like you have to keep it to yourself. And the third thing to remember is that your identity, if you, are a fa- if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your identity is child of God. And that because of that, as Paul wrote to the Romans, there is no condemnation for you. There is no shame for you. Even though the enemy likes to heap it on, there is no shame There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So that's three things to remember. Temptation is not sin. You're not alone. And your identity is child of God. Three things you can do, you can put into action when you face temptation. Number one, memorize scripture. So that like Jesus, when you are tempted, you can quote scripture back into that temptation, back at the enemy who is tempting you. I know in my life I have passages memorized and uh, different passages and things. And when I'm facing temptation, I'll just start quoting scripture out loud until, I'm, until the temptation subsides and goes away. It's amazing what the power of scripture 
can do in the face of temptation against the enemy. Secondly, speak out loud. Jesus, in the, after the third temptation in the wilderness, he said what? He said, away from me, Satan. And Satan left him. Or as we like to say in our world today, not today, Satan. Right? Away from me, Satan. Not today, Satan. Speak it out loud against it. You have that authority and power as a follower of Jesus. And thirdly, phone a friend. Okay? Phone a friend. Get someone in your life who you can share these things with so that they, like the disciples with Jesus, can bear it with you and help you out. I know in my life I have a few people that I can talk to about the things that are struggles for me. And having it out in the open totally deflates the pressure of having to try to feel like I'm the only one, to feel like I I have to hold it inside so that everybody thinks I'm perfect and I'm good and all of these things. When reality, I'm human and broken just like everybody else. So having someone in your life that you can share these things with is absolutely critical. It's not that you have to stand up here on stage and say it to the whole congregation. No, just a couple people, one or two people that you can speak these things to and who can pray for you and help hold you accountable. And I want to invite us as we close this service to actually take a step towards that. It's a small step, but it's a step. On your chair, you have a piece of paper. I want to invite you to take that piece of paper, grab a pen or pencil, and I want you to write two things on this piece of paper, and we're going to respond. And if you're worshiping with us online, you can do this in a journal or something along those lines as well. Do not write your name on this, okay? This is totally anonymous between you and the Lord. But it's an action step. I want to invite you to write some of the things you are tempted with or to do, to say, things like that. What are, what are the temptations you face in your life? And then who are you going to invite into it? Who are you going to share it with? And if you don't want to put a name down, that's fine. Maybe put a, a category, like a label, like mom, dad, friend, coach, pastor, whatever it might be. Okay? If you don't want to put a specific name down. But have that person in mind as you write. We're going to have a song that's going to play while we're doing this. And once you have those filled out, I want to invite you to come to the altar. And there's a manger on the floor in front if you can't see it. And I want to invite you to just drop that into the manger as a reminder that Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. God with you in the midst of your temptation. Let's respond.
pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you came in the flesh to walk in our shoes, to experience the things we experience so that we know we're not alone and that you truly can identify and empathize with what we go through. Thank you for the times that you meet us in our temptation and you show us the way through. It's hard, Jesus. It's hard sometimes, but you know that. We want to follow your example and to to do the hard thing, to take the load less traveled. So we ask you to guide us, to help us, to protect us, to defend us, but also to be right there with us in it. We thank you for that promise that you will not leave us nor forsake us. God, we, we also are so grateful that when we do give in to temptation and we sin, we are so grateful for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness for us, your unconditional love. We are so grateful that we can come to you at any point, humble ourselves before you ask for your forgiveness, And you freely, excitingly give it to us. Even though we don't deserve it. So thank you, Jesus, for coming as a baby. Thank you for this time where we can celebrate who you are. We can worship you and honor you. It's in your holy and precious name we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.